Hello and welcome to Life of the School, episode 140. Hello, my name is Aaron Matthew, and I'm a biology teacher from Massachusetts. And on Life of the School podcast, I like to sit down with a panel of life science teachers and talk about issues that we're facing in our classroom. On this episode, we're going to discuss the sometimes challenging issue of dealing with late work, the issues of retakes, and the issue of revisions, uh, particularly considering these grading practices through an equity lens and also the uh, upheaval that has been the last two years of being a teacher, uh, which definitely has been a thing <laughs> uh, that we talk about a lot when the mics are off or I'm not recording. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna start uh, with our goofy question. Uh, how are you personally when it comes to being on time or going to a certain event? Are you one of those early people? Are you a late person? Or does it vary? Are you one of those people who, yeah, it depends on the event. And joining us from Illinois is Amy Kelly. Welcome, Amy. Hello. So uh, I really want to be an early person. I get super stressed when I'm late and <laughs> I usually get nervous. Like if I'm going to a new place, like I feel like I'm definitely going to get lost or not be able to find a parking spot. So if I'm on my own, I will almost always be a little bit early. But um, since I have kids, I have a six-year-old and a 12-year-old, I feel like anytime I'm with them, I'm automatically late. If I'm <laughs> lucky, I'm on time. But that'll be like on the dot on time or like 30 seconds past late. But more <laughs> often than not, if I'm with my kids, I am late. Yeah, I have a feeling that's a that's probably a, a common common expression for both how teachers feel and then how parents feel um, <laughs> in all of these situations. Uh, and joining us from Ohio is John Darko. Welcome, John. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Uh, let's see. Am I on time? Uh, same as Amy. I get very stressed <laughs> if I am not on time. Uh, that being said, the people in my life uh, are not in the same boat as my <laughs> stress level with being on time. So I am working through ways to calm myself to being 15, 30 minutes late and being okay with that. <laughs> I think I think you just made Amy feel very uncomfortable by those words. <laughs> All right. And joining us from Texas is Lee Ferguson. Welcome, Lee. Hello. So usually I'm early for most things. If it's something that I really want to be at or that I know I have to be at, I'll definitely be early. But I, I'm not going to lie. I will drag my feet if I don't want to go to the thing that I have to go to. I will. And I'll show up either on time or like a minute or two late. But usually yeah. I'm on time to things or early just because I don't like being late. You're making me think back to some of the recordings we've done in the last year and a half, Lee. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Those are because I forgot. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, for people who for people who don't know, we often are recording also on Sunday nights. And for people who are not, you know, who, people who are teachers get that. Sunday night is like this whirling dervish. Like you've spent your whole day buried in grading and all of these other things or with family stuff and things like that. And the next thing you know, it's like, you know, seven o'clock, six o'clock when we record in, on a Sunday evening. And uh, <laughs> the, well, I will tell you, I put the reminders in my phone because it'd be really bad if I don't show up on time mm -hmm. uh, as the person who runs this whole thing. <laughs> 
yeah. Ironically, of this whole group, I am the one who I'm like totally comfortable like getting to a place on time. I often like to have this conversation with my wife, who is somebody who is chronically early to everything, where one of the things she often says to us when we show up to a place is that we were almost late. Um, which is one of my favorite things she says, because I say, yes, there's a word for, there's a phrase for that. You know, <laughs> if you are almost late, it's called being on time to something. Uh, but, you know, in New England, you are, you're always like, your traffic is always crazy and the weather is always crazy and stuff like that. And we have kids. Uh, so it is not uncommon to be uh, late to things because of things outside of your control. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, shockingly, I'm pretty laid back about that. And, um, you know, if it's something that I can be late to and it's no big deal, I'm there. And I will also say that if I am hanging out with Ryan Reardon, I will be 35 minutes late because we got really distracted. Uh, so that's a, <laughs> just a given. And Lee, Lee knows what I'm talking about that. And John knows what I'm talking about for that, too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first times I ever hung out with Ryan, I can remember walking by and he was like finishing his slides for a presentation at NABT and getting dressed. <laughs> And he was supposed to be presenting in 10 minutes. And yep. I was leaving because oh I didn't God. want to be late to his session. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> about like, right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. <laughs> this is why John signed up to do the uh, co-presenting with him at a workshop that I did not. <laughs> it, was, it was great. I love Ryan. <laughs> and I totally would present with him and he would be awesome. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, uh, as we were in our last episode uh, on 139, and if you if you haven't listened to that, I recommend going back because we we were talking about other grading policies, but the thing that kept on gr coming up were really these ideas of late work. I mean, it came up over and over again, the idea of late works and retakes and revision and really any grade policy, how you handle late work and revision and retakes is going to shape really anything you do, um, regardless of, of what policies you put in place, depending on your degree of rigidity, flexibility, planning, organization around these topics, you're really going to see some big things. But I also know that there are some there are some policies that your school can set in place. And I know having many conversations with people over the pandemic, schools magically all of a sudden had some policies that never, never appeared before uh, during that time. But let's set the baseline again, talking about school or local policies um, about late work, retakes, revision. Um, we'll start with you, John. Do your school have any policies around these ideas? It sounds like uh, probably no. not based off the last, <laughs> last talk. Uh, short answer, no. Yeah. So there's no, no uh, policies. It's uh, whatever we want. And in terms of my own policies, am I sharing that now, Aaron? You can hold off on that, but I am curious. Right. Did was there any talk about uh, was there any talk about that during um, last year or during the the last you know year and a half of pandemic time of of you know at least encouraging people to consider anything different? So uh, from March fourteenth, twenty twenty, until the end of the <laughs> school year, there was you had to allow late work, and you couldn't fail. Uh, unless you, you could fail if you didn't do any work and you were failing prior to March 14th. 
Hmm. Uh, which was a little interesting. All that went away the next year and went back to really uh, we've had pretty normal school uh, the past two years. So uh, our school has been really normal. Well, Minus uh, missing yeah, that, students. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting that, cause like you're, I, I remember our, our policies were definitely um, were, uh, more uh, extreme and longer lasting than just that window of time. Um, so, and I think other places were as well. All right. Uh, Lee, how about you? What are your school policies or district policies around late work or retakes and revisions? So I think that I mentioned in the previous episode that um, for advanced academics courses, uh, district policy says that we're not supposed to take late work, but we pretty much ignore that. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, uh, again, life happens sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, in our on-level courses, though, late work can be taken, except you get penalties for turning in late work. So it's so many points off one day, two days, three days, up to a certain number of days. Um, and then, of course, with retakes and revisions and redos or whatever, and I, I think I've explained that in the previous episode, state law dictates that for us, right? That we have legislation that says that we have to allow students to redo any work that is, you know, graded at a grade below 70. Um, so we have to, that's been legislated for us. Now, if it hadn't been legislated for us, would that be something that we would probably do? Um, probably just because, you know, my team is a pretty forward thinking team. Um, but this law has been in place for almost 10 years now. I mean, it's, it's, we've had it for a while, you know? I'm curious about like the, the rules. Can I, can I, like, if I was in Texas, can I give a retest that's harder than the first test? Yes. Cause that's what we do. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we test the same material, like the kids are tested over the same content, but the questions are different. Um, it is not the exact same test. Um, yeah. You know, because that goes back to my talking about, you know, well, I'm just going to fail this test and, and take it again. Right. We we learned the hard way that that's what kids were doing. They weren't studying because they were like, oh, we're going to get the same exact test. And for a while we did do that because it's really difficult to generate a mm-hmm. good exam. I mean, we all know that it's really difficult to generate a good exam. Once we ha- once we got our test banks robust enough because we do our retakes through Canvas then we decided, nope, they're going to retake a different exam. You know, if we give a free response portion of the exam, they're going to get a different FRQ. Um, you know, yeah. so that, and we also grade free responses on a scale, whereas we don't grade the multiple choice on a scale, right? And yeah. so it's slightly different practice for each one of those portions of the exam because the multiple choice, or not multiple choice, but the, uh, the free response portion of the exam is worth fewer points, than yeah. the the multiple choice because we don't give as many questions so yeah i mean it's i it's just interesting just as the little note you can legislate something but that doesn't necessarily mean that teachers are gonna if, if a teacher really doesn't like that policy man i could i because I, I could just think of teachers in my district that that would fail I, there was a policy that predates me where if you were absent on a day of a test the teacher could give a zero right um for for you absent regard like you just you missed yeah and so kids would drag themselves in and then it became known that oh if you're not here on that day you're taking a much harder test 
Yeah. That was just a known thing. We've and, gotten to the point where we actually give a different test now to yeah, the kids who yeah. are absent because we've had so many incidents of um, academic dishonesty, you know, mm -hmm. where kids are sharing keys with kids and, and stuff like that, keys for the free response portions. Because again, for AP Bio, it is difficult to generate free response questions. So we tend to mm -hmm. use released questions. So these kids will chitter chatter outside of the exam space you know, oh, this was yep. on the test or this was on the test or whatever. I mean, I, I've had to deal with that just in the last three weeks. I had to devise a completely separate exam, give it to the student for a maximum grade of 50, because that's what our policy is. If it's their first yeah. offense, <laughs> if it's their second <laughs> offense, I'd still have to devise a test, but I would have to give them a zero. You know, so it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy <laughs> times down here in Texas. It, it really is. Yeah, totally. Wow. All right. And Amy, how about you? Uh, any policies uh, school-wide, department-wide? No. So, well, we don't have any school-wide policies. I would say that in our department, it's strongly encouraged that we do retakes and accept late work. However, it isn't necessarily mandated. It's just strongly mm -hmm. encouraged. So we've been yeah. trying to, you know, kind of play around with those policies or, you know, suggestions, I guess I should say, <laughs> in um, in our different teams. So, for example, our physics teams, they do a lot with revision and give some points back for revision. Um, while in biology, we've been more saying, hey, you can revise your work, do corrections, show it to us. We'll have a discussion about where you need to improve. And then from there, you can do a retake, which is similar to what Lee was describing, it's a completely different version. We're assessing the same thing, but not the same exact, you know, assessment. And sometimes our assessment for the retake is a little bit harder because we expect they should have grown, you know, after having seen the last assessment, having taken the last assessment, having revised the last assessment, having met with the teacher, that there would be a little bit of growth. So uh, again, we don't really have any sort of school-wide policy. So what math does is completely different than what English does is completely different than what science does. But we are definitely encouraged to, to accept late work and to, to do some sort of retake or revision. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I would say you know, about five years ago, the, my district started encouraging us to have conversations around ideas of retakes and revisions and that when we got to last academic year and you know um our I I have I honestly I kind of have blacked out a little bit March through June of of 2020 in terms of what the actual policies were because I feel like it wasn't one policy it was all of the policies like we went through so many iterations of trying to figure out what was going on that there was this set of rules and then this set of rules and I don't think anyone actually could fail at the end of that year and we weren't I don't even rem I don't remember it was I feel like we kept on changing um of what was going on but I know that last year when we had our our schedule, we definitely were impacted. We were in a different schedule and we were strongly encouraged to be really lenient when it came to late work. Um, and also just to rethink what assessment meant. Um, I think that was the other conversation. So it wasn't necessarily about retakes and revisions, but, you know, thinking differently about what is an assessment, what is a major assessment, what are things worth and, and how to be flexible around what does an assessment look like when kids aren't in your room every single day or in a normal schedule or might be out or might be remote or might be 
you know, on Zoom some days and then, you know, quarantine some other days. And, you know, uh, th- there was just a lot of talk about that. And that stuff has sort of drifted away this year. And I think a lot of people return to it. Um, and nothing ever became a school-wide policy. And so as a result, you've got some things that I think have taken over pretty strongly. I think mo- most of the teachers in our building do some sort of um, reflection after assessments. But retakes and revisions are something that is very spotty. Like you'll find some teachers that do a lot of it and some teachers who do none of it. And and I think we're sort of on a continuum, but we lost momentum on those conversations over the last two years. And I think a lot of people were trying to get back to the way things were before, whatever that means to them. Um, whether that's two years ago, three years ago, seven years ago, whatever, there, there's been a, a, a trying to return to what they felt was like a normal uh, policy there. So as I think we've we've dipped in here a little bit, um, our own grading policies, you know, um, we've I think we've sort of hit late work pretty hard, but like we, we got into it last episode about retakes and revisions and sort of how are, how are they designed into them your curriculum? Are there specific ways that you plan and design for late work, for revisions, for retakes, right as part of how you you you're, what you're expecting these little cherubs who come to our day, building every day to do. <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect in there? Lee, Lee, let's start with you. How do you design your curriculum to handle these, these things? So we as a team, you know, bake this into our syllabus, right? Like we mm-hmm. tell kids right up front, you know, here's, you know, here's what you can do if you fail an exam. Here are the requirements that you have to meet in order to be able to retake for full credit. And if you don't meet these requirements, then you can retake for, um, an 80, right? So everybody yeah. has an opportunity to retake. It's just at what level of completion are you willing to work to earn your opportunity to retake? Um, you know, as far as like lab work goes, you know, our lab report retakes or redos rather are a little bit different because we use the same six point rubric for every lab, right? So kids know from the very beginning here's what the expectation is. Here's how you're going to be assessed. Here are the skills we're assessing. You know, we're assessing these things every single time. So they get that rubric right before they start at the labs. They have it with the, you know, it's in Canvas. They can see it, all of this. First semester, everybody can rewrite lab reports for full credit, right? Because Mm -hmm. we're trying to build your skills. We're trying to build your confidence. We're trying to get you to be experts at writing this way. Second semester, though, we say, okay, you don't get to rewrite for full credit because by now you're an expert at this. You should know how to do this. But if you're still struggling and you make below a 70, which on our six point scale is you miss two of the categories, right? Mm -hmm. Then you get to rewrite your lab report for an 80, right? We didn't want to make it for the minimum of 70 because per our scale, missing two points is a 67. You know, and if I'm a kid who misses two points on that rubric, why am I going to work that hard to get three extra points? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it's not fair. So we decided to make it for an 80 instead. You know, and so we figure the reason why we, you know, our rationale for that was by that time in January, when we give you the Fast Plants Lab Report, which is the one that we usually issue at that time of the year, um, You've seen the rubric, you know what our expectations are, you've had plenty of feedback from us, you know, for over the course of the school year to know 
where you've made mistakes, why you shouldn't make those mistakes again. And so we expect that you know what you're doing by that time. And most kids get it. Most. You still have a handful. I call them my repeat offenders. They're the ones that just doesn't matter if what feedback I give them, they're still going to make the same mistakes over and over again. Right. Hmm. Even after just talking with them individually, it's like, look, <laughs> I've given you this. I've told you this. I've told you this. I've told you this. I've, I've moved now to giving audio feedback instead because it's just faster, you know, yeah. and they can listen to my voice. Um, <laughs> and they still make these mistakes. You know, it's just like, OK, you know, I've done everything on my end short of writing this for you, yeah. you know, which I'm not going to do because it's not going to teach you anything. Um you know, so in in spring, we raise the bar a little bit for them, yeah. you know, because we feel like we need to because, you know, the goal at the end of the year is getting them toward that AP exam, right? We're trying to get them prepped for that exam. And, and even though our assessments are aligned to the level of that exam, as far as the rigor goes and the types of questions go, you know, in, in terms of the writing that we expect them to do, we we think that you know, the level of expectation that we have for them is very high from start to finish, right? We just kind of bump it up a little bit in the spring by saying, okay, you've had these floaties now for, you know, four months, we're going to take them away. You know, now you've got to swim on your own, you know, and if you drown, okay, we'll save you. But, you know, we might give you just like the little unicorn ring that you can hang on to while you while I drag you to the end of the pool rather than you making it there on your own you know mm. by giving you the opportunity to rewrite this and don't make that mistake again <laughs> you know but again some kids don't get it it's just not yeah. somehow it doesn't materialize in their heads that this is what they should be doing even though we've given them very specific feedback you know yeah, yeah. So you want to give them, you want to, but it's, I mean, it is nice that it's, you know, it's, it's weird that it's legislated in that you got to do it, but it's nice that, you know, they have the opportunity to grow and improve mm -hmm. and get the feedback. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm still struggling a little bit on the fact that some of my courses, I let some of this stuff work and some of the, I don't and how to, mm -hmm. how to move, like for the places where I don't see it, I like hearing these different policies because it makes me think of like, all right, what would, how would my students react if this was the thing we tried to add in? You know what I mean? Right. That's sort of, I think the thing that I'm really thinking about. Well, and that's um, what's really good, at least for me, about teaching two different courses where one I work on a team and the other one I don't, you know, because mm -hmm. I can test run stuff in my class that I'm the solo teacher for and field yeah. test some stuff. And then if I think that it's been successful, I can bring it to my team and say, so, hey, I tried this and it worked really yeah. well. Here's what I did. You know, and so that's that's one of the good things about the way my schedule has worked out this year is that I do have the latitude to try some new things and bring it to the table and say, we should try this with all of these kids and see how it goes. You know, I call that my my sandbox. Yes, that IB class. And they know they're my sandbox and they're OK with that. <laughs> I told them at the very beginning of the year, I was like, y'all are my guinea pigs. Y'all, we're going to try something totally new. And they were like, okay, cool. And they were really cool with it. That's the great thing about that group is that they're, they're down for me to try anything different, you know? That's good. So. 
All right, Amy, how about you? What is where are you in terms of of these policies in terms of your own classroom? How do you design your curriculum to deal with these things? So we do allow students to retake any assessment, but we tell them they can only retake it one time in hopes that they will make their best attempt. Uh, we give them pretty much until the the end of that that particular goal to do their retake on just general classroom summatives. But like the quizzes, we do require them to do their retake within a week of receiving their their quiz back. Our quizzes are taking the place of a unit test. It's almost like a it's like we're taking an NGSS goal and we're quizzing them over that goal. So the quizzes are are fairly long. They take the kids, you know, about an hour or an hour and 10 minutes. So when I say quiz, just think of it as like, um, uh, it's like a test. It's just, Overrated. we're not making it worth an excessive amount of points. We wanted to keep it more low stakes so that it was less stressful for the students. But anyway, we, we do ask that they do that retake within a week. And what I have done in the past to like build the retake into my class is I've, I've passed back the quizzes in class and I've given them the option to look at their quiz and on their own, look at a guide that I produced that gave them like reteaching ideas, YouTube videos, different other assessments to try and relearn some of the things that they missed. So they can do mm -hmm. corrections. I don't tell them the right answer, but they can do corrections using those materials in my guide individually. But they could also, if they wanted to, form groups with other students and talk about the questions that they missed. And usually someone in their group had a right answer on something and is able to explain it to the students who missed it in a way that might help them understand the topic. But, you know, in the past, I, I kind of forced them into a group and then I discovered some kids were real sensitive about their grade or they weren't really receptive to talking with other kids in a way that was helping them academically. They were more socializing. So I kind of made it a, an option. You choose if you want to work in a group or you want to work alone to work on your corrections, but um, make sure you're being productive. Now, they don't have to do a retake, but I do encourage them to try and do some corrections, even if they're not going to retake, because a lot of the stuff in biology is just going to come back in the next unit Absolutely. or next goal, and especially because in my class, we use like a storyline approach. So everything builds off of the previous topics. It's just building and building and building. And so it's important that they figure out why they miss the things they miss, even if they're not going to do a retake. So that's uh, something that, that I've been playing around with a little bit this year that, that's been fairly successful, I think. Well, in addition to all the really good things, I think you gave me two entirely separate show ideas that we could do. I think talking about what an NGSS assessment looks like, because uh, I did a workshop this past winter, which was like you know, looking at what an NGSS assessment looks like and how that's different than sort of your traditional test, but also the concept of storylining and what storylining looks like. And um, I could, I mean, I have, I've had Jason uh, Korean on before I could just say, uh, get in touch with Jason again and say, all right, Jason, go, um, <laughs> tell me what this is again. Uh, but I, I think the idea of the, the fact that your assessments are designed in a different way, um, 
the points are all made up as as we all kind of realize like we all just kind of arbitrarily decide what these values are and they mean different things to different kids so relabeling them something else because that means something different to the kids or reassessing the point values is all uh it's interesting design especially if you're changing the way that works so that the kids are more likely to engage in reflection and revision um so it's one of those things I think about part of me, the skeptical old man of me is like, ah, you just relabeled it. But I also appreciate the fact that like, well, but if you're selling it to the kids to do that and they're engaging it, that's, that's good relabeling. Um, that's good rebranding. <laughs> <laughs> very effective. Very effective. All right. Uh, John, how about you? Uh, what, wouldn't, what sort of policies do you have going forward in terms of this? You, do you take points off for late work? Do you, do you let kids redo things? What kind of policies do you have? Uh, no points off for late work. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, my policy is uh, very open. I have kids can make up work until the end of the quarter. Uh, no points off. Kids can retake things uh, an infinite number of time, separated by 24 hours. So, mm. uh, and there is no requirement I give for uh, making up a test so or quiz or anything else. So if they bomb a quiz, uh, the next day they can just retake it. They bomb it again, they can retake it over and over again. Um, and I have some systems that make that a little easier on me. The <clears throat> I have really three reasons why I do that. Uh, I have that policy. Um, first, I don't have the confidence that my assessments are accurately discriminating between a B plus and an A minus. So uh, <laughs> if a kid misses one or two points either way, um, <clears throat> I think that the standard error uh, wouldn't be statistically significantly different. So uh, that that's one reason for that. Also, I, I think um, my assess I see my assessments personally as uh, part of the learning and not a measure of the learning. So rather than the assessment being like the meter stick, um, it's really just an, another tool to get the goal, which is have my kids learn uh, the content of my course. And then uh, most importantly, um, I'm trying to do whatever I can to lower the, the stress and anxiety of my students. Um, I see, I see this is, uh, pervasive and, uh, really, a a haunting thing that is overcoming a lot of our students' uh, stress and anxiety in them. I read a, a book recently, uh, under pressure, uh, confronting the epidemic of stress and anxiety in girls by Lisa Dumour. And, uh, just, it, it's a, it was Great book. Uh, one thing that I thought was particularly interesting in there was, so uh, we see uh, sex differences in girls generally are uh, doing much better in high school than boys. And of course, that's a generalization, but uh, girls seem to be doing better in especially science courses. Uh, and even math courses in, in schools than boys. But then when they go on to college, uh, they're 
they are not as successful um, <clears throat> in some of the, the math and science courses. And of course, that's a generalization also. Uh, so one of the hypotheses in the book uh, that I thought was interesting for, you know, that, uh, that kind of conflict besides the structural sexism in our academic <laughs> institutions is that our schools are set up, our high schools are, are set up uh, counterintuitively to better teach boys how to manage time and uh, have better metacognition than our girls. So what, what she, I'm not sure if she was citing a study or she was talking herself, was that <clears throat> girls will just study a ton for something to make sure they get the A, um, where boys will kind of lowball and figure out uh, what's the minimum amount of work they can do to still get the A. And so boys are, I think, uh, what was it? Something like, uh, anyway, in, in the past 10 years, uh, the amount of boys that were, teenage boys that are, are report stress has only increased by, I think, like 1% nationally. And girls, it's increased by like 10%. Uh, nationally. So just huge increases in stress in our girls. So for me, uh, you know, my grading policy is definitely the main reason I do that is to try to find ways to not have stress on uh, my students as much as possible and not be a source of uh, much of a source of anxiety in them. Yeah. Avoiding, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I always cringe at the word stress in general, because not all stress is bad, but anxiety, you know, un unhealthy anxiety, unhealthy stress is definitely a case where I, I, I couldn't agree more. I definitely see, I see that in the students. I see how they deal with that. Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's a, it's a, it's something that we didn't even intentionally bring up here, the concept of stress and anxiety, with these policies, but if you're being mindful of your student population, and for me with honors and AP students, I often describe them as being very risk averse. Like they don't want to make mistakes. And like my entire ethos as a scientist is like, let's get in there. Let's mess around. Let's make some mistakes. Let's let, what happens when you do this thing? And the students will be like, I don't know what'll happen if I do this. And I was like, I don't do it. Like try it, like go ahead. And I'll have students who, when you give them what, what should be sort of lab, playtime or lab experimentation like we've we've made those little yeast spheres in ap and we're dropping them in hydrogen peroxide and they're like what would happen if we do this and i'm like i don't know do it like try that like but the fact that they're kids and they don't naturally want to do that they don't want to they don't want to make a mistake they don't want to do it wrong um suggests that there's a there's not as much enough play and there's too much anxiety but i wonder if you gave it gave the same task to younger students Right. Yeah. Like, let's say you gave that task to fifth grade students. Right. And you explained yeah. to them what they were doing and why they were going to do it. Would they be more likely to get in there, get their hands dirty and jump in, not being afraid mm -hmm. to make mistakes? Or would they have the same anxiety that our high school students do? Because I think somewhere along the way in middle mm -hmm. school, they I think kids lose that 
fearlessness of being wrong. They lose that fearlessness of, um, you know, just trying something just to try it. Um, mm-hmm. Because middle school is such a time of, of, of I guess, you know, it's, it's intense growth, but there's also a lot of turmoil because you're being judged constantly by everyone your friends, people who are not your friends, your teachers, you know, that sort of thing. And, yourself. you know, it just makes me, yeah, <laughs> your, yourself. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of, I, I think a lot of the anxiety and stuff that our kids feel is self-imposed, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of it is self-imposed. Um, but I, I just wonder if you gave the same task to a younger student, would they have the same sense of, oh my gosh, I'm going to screw this up that our high school students do? My guess is no. Um, and again, I, you're right. At some point, the threshold would switch at some point yeah. throughout the continuum. And, and there would be diversity. It's yeah. so sad. <laughs> I remember the story when I started teaching, there was a, a speaker I saw talk and he, he said, um, when, you know, if you go into a kindergarten class and you ask the students who in here, who, who in here can draw, who in here can sing, mm-hmm. who here can dance, all the hands go up. And if you go into a classroom full of seniors and you say, who in here can sing, who can draw, who can dance, yeah. there's not a whole lot of hands that go up. And they're, hands, they, yeah. they self-edit a lot there in there. And I guess uh, for me, that play part is, you know, I, that's the fun part of science. Like, oh, the, yeah, for the, sure. like what's going to happen here? I, I don't know. Um, and there is obviously, I, I want to acknowledge balancing lab safety, um, obviously. But yes. <laughs> there's, I think the, the joy of science is that discovery and the not knowing the answer. And if you don't have a population of kids in front of you who are, who can be comfortable in a space where the answers are unknown, then they're not really doing science. Like they're learning other, what other people have discovered. Um, So I think that overcoming that anxiety piece is definitely going to play a role. Um, All right. Getting myself back on topic uh, (laughs) for the question. (laughs) Uh, So like the thing that for me is that I have um, this very similar to John. I have, uh, no points off for late work. Um, I, I think if I did, I would have the the voice of Paul Strode in my head saying, why are you taking points off for late work? Because <laughs> I just, I think for all the conversations I've had with him over the over the years, um, I've learned from that. Um, and I accept uh, work right up until the end of a given unit or some sort of, um, as, as Lee had said, I use, I love the best by date and due date from from previous conversations. And I think I may start to start stealing, stealing that for, for future assignments. I forget uh, but who I, have I got a due date it from, with... but, but it, it yeah. works for me. You know, it works yeah. for me and my kids. So I, I have a due date, which is basically the end of my unit. Um, usually it's the day before the test or something like that. Uh, and even that's a soft date too. Um, and I'm really every formative assignment can be revised in all of my classes. Um, I, and I've been actually adding retake options for tests in AP. Um, I wish I had a little bit better of a like planned policy for it. So w- the fact is, is that because I have a gradeless system in AP, I do a reflection after the test. But I very rarely have kids like wholly bomb and want to retake it. And if they 
they want. If if I give a test and like I, I can remember a couple of years ago, I did a signal transduction pathway, uh, like focus test, and not surprisingly, um, that was not. It didn't go so well, um, because that's a really hard topic, and sometimes it it just misses the mark, and the kids struggled. And so I talked to my, you know, I was like, and I'm gonna have a retake on this. Like just like we're gonna have a retake on this, and 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 you know, we we had missed the mark a little bit, and I took that on my and I said, anybody wants it, we're gonna do a retake. Just let me know, and we'll set it up. And we did a retake. But generally, I don't offer them broadly, but I think I should. And that's sort of a case where I, I like my policy and my like all of my policies haven't kind of caught up to my what my goal is. And then I don't have necessarily the same retake policies like Lee was saying for labs. I, I, I have revision in that for projects and labs and AP, but I haven't built that into my honors class. Um which is something that we'll have to deal with later. Uh, but <laughs> that's, a, that's the, that, that's sort of where I am. I do have it bailed into the course that I think I've had a little bit more control over. All right. So um, the last question we have on this topic are the concept of barriers. So I'm going to bring, I'm bringing like, I'm mixing UDL in here. I'm taking, I'm taking Lee's book and I'm rolling in some UDL. And so what are the barriers? <laughs> like, I feel like I could run a consulting firm here. Uh, but like, I, I've been thinking, thinking since I've been, I took some UDL training and I've, I've looked at these equity issues. I often think of my intentions for what I want for my students are not necessarily always things that I can control. And so therefore there sometimes are barriers for students to access equitable pieces within their classroom. And so are there any barriers for you offering more revision and redemption opportunities to your students? So Amy, how about you? Are there any barriers to you doing this? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, first of all, you're completely right in that, that, you know, sometimes what we intend to happen doesn't always come through the way that we intend it to come through. So, you know, I, I deal with a, a lot of, of, of differentiation in my class, a lot of different learners. And my goal with retakes is that the students who need the extra help and assistance will, will take it, take advantage of it and be successful. If it takes more time, that's fine. I know a lot of our kids are frustrated when they don't get something the first time. And mm -hmm. I tell them it's all right if you don't get it the first time, take more time, you know, do more practice. And I feel like one area that is a barrier is that we don't do standards based grading in my school and our kids, they're really hyper focused on their grades. And so they don't always utilize the retakes and other policies that I have in place to like learn and grow. And since not every department utilizes late work and retakes the same way, it's very inconsistent for the kids and for the parents. And they're always questioning, you know, what they can do, how they can improve, even if you put it on, in writing, you know, they mm -hmm. don't always remember what they're supposed to be doing because it's so terribly inconsistent. And I would also say that another barrier for me is time. Like I never thought that I would be so overwhelmed with like retakes and stuff because prior to the yeah. pandemic, I was, ex you know, accepting late work and doing retakes and I wasn't this overwhelmed, but I feel like the combination of, of post-pandemic life as a teacher, in addition to the use of like Google Classroom or whatever your, your system is that I'm getting like notifications nonstop. So-and-so just turned in a correction. So-and-so just turned in late work. And yeah. I actually had to take 
my school email off my phone because I was getting notifications <laughs> all day long. And I, I had this tendency, even when I turned off the notification to check my email constantly because I felt like I always had to be there for my students and help them and, and get things graded very quickly. But I feel like I am constantly either making retakes or checking over corrections, meeting with students about corrections, you know, grading the actual retake itself. And then on top of that, curriculum planning and grading <laughs> the assessments that were turned in on time. And so I feel like that's another barrier for a lot of teachers is just, um, you know, time. There's not a ton of buy-in for some of our kids and we're spending a lot of time on it as teachers. Yeah. So the combination of the two makes it feel a little less, um, you know, valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very resonant. I also wonder if you, if you feel this, cause I, I literally, you gave me like a, like not a traumatic flashback, but a, a, like a mildly traumatic flashback from last past week where I had to, I had a group who handed in a lab and these labs for AP that I get are just giant things. And I was like, Oh, I, and they turned it in late and now I got to grade this. And, and then this other group, they did a revision on the lab and I did it and I had dreaded it and I pushed it off and I pushed it off and I pushed it off and then I sat down and it actually only took me like, 20 minutes to do the two of them like i i have probably spent four times as much time like stressed and anxious about like oh i gotta get to this thing i like carried it as this this anxiety about this thing that didn't actually take me that long probably for like you know an extra hour hour and a half of worrying about it when i could have just sat down and done it um and i and that's not to belittle it like it still was real stress on me and so those notifications all of that that cost you energy um, and That's I don't a great know story to share with your students, Aaron. That uh, <laughs> the, the fact that you you stressed about it uh, for probably more time than it actually took to complete the task. Yeah, yeah, I shared that with them. Those types of things. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it definitely that definitely is something that comes up for me a lot. That I, I and I actually was doing it earlier today. Like I was like found myself like you know oh I I forgot to I gotta go do this thing I gotta do this thing and I was like because I had like four you know FRQs left to grade on the on the AP test I just gave. <laughs> so I was like I should have just had the discipline to sit down and do it. Um, you know, I know my 14 year old will be watching another YouTube video and I was like, I don't know, like moving my laundry, like my laundry could have sat for the extra 20 minutes for me to get through those FRQs, but I was tired. So I stood up and I walked and I moved my laundry instead, just as a, a break to break them up. Um, I think we're all focused, uh, struggling here, uh, these last little bit. All right, John, how about you? Uh, what, what, are, what are the barriers for you, for you improving? It sounds like you are like the poster child for like low stress on these retakes and revisions. So, so what, are there any barriers left for you? Well, yeah, I mean, time, right? So yeah. time is, is definitely a barrier. And <clears throat> with that, uh, my assessments are certainly uh, not going to be as long as other teachers' assessments to make sure that I get timely feedback to the students. Uh, if there's any writing in the feedback, or sorry, in the assessment. I will try to set up as many systems as possible that are automating the grading. So uh, whether it's Google Forms, uh, I use CK12 in a lot of my classes also, which will auto-grade things. AP Classroom uh, will auto-grade things, but uh, I generally 
I don't use a lot of AP Classroom because uh, the t for the time issue, it takes me a lot of time uh, to go mm -hmm. through AP Classroom versus um, Google Forms. Uh, it's really easy for me to generate new questions. I, I just can work with it pretty quickly. And I have a, a bank of questions to use. And then I also will use exam view. Uh, you all familiar with exam view, which I've used it before. Yeah. yeah uh, I'll just export an HTML of that, put that in Google classroom. And uh, then the kids will take a, a multiple choice quiz that way. And it's really easy for me to generate a new assessment for them. Uh, so as much auto grading uh, that I can do, uh, I, I try to to really overcome the barrier of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I will say that it, it's the, also learning new systems, as you were saying, like AP Classroom. I have forced myself to become proficient, and it's it's paid some dividends to to figuring out how to do mm -hmm. it. But there is a time cost to these new technical platforms. And I think that both you and Amy have brought up that like the, the technical requirements, like I, I didn't have a, a school-based email for the first like mm -hmm. five years I taught. Like, like, I don't know if people can appreciate that who are out there in the world, but the, when I was hired, my school didn't give like my first, I taught in three different buildings where I didn't have a school-based email. It wasn't until I got to my current school that I got a school-based email. Like the idea that if you told young, young teacher me all of the different technical things that you need to incorporate and all of the different spaces where you could do things, like there's a time cost to like, yes, we have all these resources, but you ha it takes time to become proficient, to build those databases, to figure out how to import things and do all that. And um, it takes time to filter. Like, there's a new cool tool that your friend's doing this thing and they're like, oh, it might save me right. time, but it's going to take me five hours to figure mm -hmm. out how to use it mm -hmm. first. And do I have time how to sort that out first? So yeah, time, time, time. So Lee, do you have no time issues, I'm sure. You're no, of course like not, because what, what is time but a four-letter word? Um, <laughs> I mean, really, especially, Wait, is, is especially, time in, yeah. especially these days. <laughs> you know, because I've even had to tell is, students. Is time one of the words in Swerdle? It should be, <laughs> as in I don't have any. Yeah, I was going to say, because I, mean, I even told my kids at the beginning of the semester, I said, look, I'm going back to school, so I'm not going to have as much time to do X, Y, and Z that I did before. And then, of course, yeah. they're all curious, what are you going back to school for? Um, because I'm a glutton for punishment, I'm getting my administration certification. Um and then I think I'll go get a doctorate at some point. But anyway, I think John and Amy have hit it on the head here as far as time goes. And Amy addressed this much more articulately than I did about, you know, the amount of grading, the amount of regrading and having to develop curriculum at the same time. I mean, yes, I have a team that helps me with that piece, but they're not helping me with the grading and the revision and the providing of the feedback and, and all of that business. And so it is not uncommon for my kids to be like, well, have you graded my redo? Um, no, I'm still grading the first submissions, kids. <laughs> Remember, there are 120 of you and only one of me. And if I'm going to do a good job at this, I have to have time to do this. And I mean, and I've structured my, my time outside of school so that, um, you know, on certain nights of the week, I'm doing homework from this time to this time. And then it's like, okay, here's an hour of grading here. Here's an hour of grading here. 
you know, because mm-hmm. my planning time and grading time at school is so limited because of duty that I have to do and all of this other business. And we have a special kind of hell at my campus right now because we're having trouble connecting to Google Docs. <laughs> Guess what? Everybody turns their work in as a Google Doc. So from home, I don't have any problem connecting to Google Docs, but at work, I'll be grading something and then oop, connection lost. I'm like, really? Come on. This is not cool. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, that's that's been just a problem for us this semester. We've had this issue since January and our network people can't figure it out. But, you know, I wish that there was a way to make that process a little bit more streamlined, a little bit less burdensome, but it's difficult. It's really, really difficult. I mean, I think that providing audio commentary will help some, but at the same time, it's still the whole, I've got to do this for 120 kids, you know? Yeah. Uh, And if every kid redoes something and they almost always, excuse me, they almost always do, then I am constantly grading. And it makes it difficult for me to invest time in using that data that I'm getting and refining my instruction, right? Because then I don't have the time to look at what I'm getting back and then say, oh, yeah, I should have probably taught this a little bit differently. Or, oh, my gosh, I didn't, you know, I forgot to emphasize this. You know, I just don't have the time to do that, you know, which is Mm. which is really the big the biggest problem to me is that right there. I can't use the information I'm getting back <laughs> to change my practice. And that's yeah. frustrating. Uh, I'm just thinking about Lee having 120 students versus I won't even mention how many I have, which is <laughs> significantly less, is something for just people to keep in mind, right? We we have different uh, populations and different constraints. And so our practices will be... Uh, very different also. Mm-hmm. So that that I give unlimited retakes uh, is certainly a function of uh, the, the lower number of students I have uh, mm. than what Lee has. Yeah. Yeah. And even and on my have... campus, 120 yeah. is low. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've got a building of, of 5,500 kids, you know, so <sighs> it's I have, I have 147. Yeah. 147 <laughs> yeah and yeah, that's, that's more of the average too. in my building so i yeah. i won't share yeah. well and, I, <laughs> and my yeah and i science, have science is capped to 24 kids per class but in like english and math mm. they can have uh, 30 or uh, over 30 wow. so the english and math teachers would have even more yeah than uh, mm-hmm. than i do yeah and because i have a, the way our schedule works with my labs i i actually have fewer sections because I meet with my AP kids more um, because of the way our lab section. So I actually only have four classes. So that's why my number's right around a hu- right around a hundred. But because I my, my, I have my students for like a period and a half for my APs, so that gives me more time. I have more times with my AP mm-hmm. kids than a lot of people get, and that lowers my student number. So that allows me to give them more of that formative feedback. I just get to spend more time with them. And that's, that, that allows you to give them their, that feedback and the, engage in those conversations and design it into the curriculum. Uh, and then the other thing I have this, this quarter, which you guys have made me realize I, I feel very lucky on is I have a student teacher, which means that, and I'm now at the stage where I'm turning classes over to him and then kind of getting out of the room because he has to have the time to develop mm-hmm. his personality and not everyone 
looking over to me, both him and the students to say, was that thing right? Was that a mistake? Was that like, I kind of have to give him that space. So I'm checking in and doing that and, and do that. But for largely I'm stepping out of that room and then sort of guiding, I'm guiding on the side, the person who's guiding on the side of those kids, which by the way, gives me an extra hour, hour and a half where I can plan and organize and do some other stuff for the other curriculum. So it's, it's really like I've gained another period and a half of prep a day um, on days when those classes meet because, you know, I it's, it's a lot easier. And it's interesting also to hear him look at how much reflection and revision and work I do as he's been with me for a month and hear him talk about all the things that are like, well, we didn't go over how to do this, you know, like, you know, in my program, <laughs> you know, and I would ask him a question. So do you talk about this? And he's like, no, we've never talked about these things. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. And so uh, the one thing I would add to our time conversation, um, and, and I know Lee mentioned this in the previous episode, um, time with colleagues. Um, you know, the fact is that when you have shared curriculum and I share my AP with one other person, but I'm a team of five honors biology teachers, we barely have time to plan the commonality. We're supposed to have common assessments and common other things. And we do a lot of things digitally, but the idea that we're going to come to common policies, which are going to help move people along a continuum to being able to accept revision retakes and that sort of stuff. And I will tell you a couple of my colleagues in the honors team, the way that I talk about revisions and retakes and the way they talk about them are very different. And, and the way I am ready to tackle those and bring them on and figure out the design and how they feel are we're not in the same place. Um, we're not in, and, and their level of comfort and concern about students abusing the process and, and, and the time that they will have and how much time it will take in their day to do these things. They, they have very legitimate concerns, but they need time to process them. And we need time to find commonality to practice. And in addition to all the time to dedicate to our students to grow professionally, it requires time to engage in those challenging conversations with your, with your colleagues to find ways that, we can all grow in these policies. And that's the, that's, that's something that I don't have. Um, and I, there's no way I, I just don't even see see how it's coming. Like it's one of those things where it's going to take three years to have what could be short conversations, but we just don't have enough time to have those with everyone really sort of maxed out right now. Um, yeah. I don't think people have the bandwidth, even if we were given, you know, an hour to talk about it, that's not enough. Um, nope. people are, people are stressed. <laughs> so there's that. All right. Well, you three have given me a lot to think about when it comes to retakes and revisions and policies and how I can do what I'm going to do better. And still didn't fix my group grade dilemma, but well, that's all right. We can, we can. <laughs> some thoughts from that from 139 are still going to linger a little bit longer, but I do appreciate it. Uh, so let me give credits for the show. Uh, please subscribe to Life of School on your podcast player of choice. Uh, we love those listens, those listen numbers. We we look at them, or at least I do. Uh, so please subscribe. You can get uh, show notes at uh, lifeoftheschool.org. You can also get show notes at patreon.com slash blots. If you uh, chip in a buck or two a month, uh, you will get an early release of the episode as well. Uh, music on this and every episode is provided by Jake Jenkins and X Magicians. Uh, I have got a Bandcamp link in show notes for you. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Matthew Tweets or at Life of the School. You can also follow this panel. I will tag them when I tweet out these episodes. So thanks all for joining me, and I will talk to everybody soon. Cheers.